This episode of Standard Orbit is brought to you by Audible.com, offering more than 180,000 titles for smartphone, tablet, and desktop. To get a free audiobook of your choice and help Trek FM at the same time, visit audibletrial.com slash trekfm. And also by Enterprise in Space, an international program for the nonprofit National Space Society. Find out how you can help science and education and become a virtual crew member aboard the NSS Enterprise Orbiter by visiting enterpriseinspace.org. Want to join the conversation and share your thoughts on this episode? Join the Babel Conference, our listeners group on Facebook. Just type B-A-B-E-L into the Facebook search field. We look forward to seeing you there. My name is Nicholas Meyer, director of Star Trek 2 and 6, and you are listening to Standard Orbit on Trek FM. Risk is our business. It's like nothing we've dealt with before. By golly, Jim, I'm beginning to think I can cure a rainy day. I can't change the laws of physics. Welcome, everyone, to Standard Orbit, Trek FM's dedicated podcast that covers the original and new cast of Captain Kirk and the Enterprise. I am Ken Tripp. I am Zach Moore. And I'm Haley Stoddart. And today uh, we're going to talk about someone I love her character. Uh, We're going to be talking about Yeoman Rand. So I'm excited. She appeared in eight of the first Uh, season episodes before her contract was terminated. Her time on the show had some special moments, I think so, on screen along with unfortunately some not so great things that happened off screen. Um, Her autobiography, The Longest Trek, speaks to her life journey and her struggles with addiction, which she was graciously open about. Uh, We thought, uh, you know, we talk about both her as an actor and her character on the show. Uh, so what are you guys thinking about? Well, you, you know, for, for me, um, Yeoman, Yeoman Rand, as, as a young man or whatever, I mean, she was obviously a very beautiful woman, and, and, and I'm sure that has a lot to do with, with why she was cast. Uh, and, and I remember when watching the original series as a kid, uh, that she, you know, her being a main character, and then it, it took a while to realize, hey, she's not on the show. Uh, a lot of times uh, when I was watching the reruns, they were not run in broadcast order, you know, or production order. They were just shown arbitrarily. So it was one of those things where, you know, she was on the show, and then she wasn't on the show. And because I never looked at it in sequence, it could be like, well, you know, Chekhov's on the show one day, and he's not. Exactly. You know, Sulu is and isn't, yeah. And... um you know, the only real consistent was was Uhura, uh, who was constantly on the show. But um, you know, to me, uh, in 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 getting, I guess, what what you guys thought. You know, I thought that she was a main character. I thought she had some really powerful episodes at times, uh, and you know, she was she was just a, a beautiful woman. I mean, very captivating. You know, and obviously uh, that was the deal, right? That's that's not new for Star Trek. Uh, is it six of nine? So it's it's one of those things. But I thought that um, less of a a sex object as, as I'd seen in in future series, but uh, you know a very attractive and and good uh, and and really the only quote unquote enlisted star of Star Trek, and uh, and they candor, which is pretty lousy. But anyway, that's my initial thoughts. What about you guys? Me? Uh, yeah. No, I. I loved her on screen. Every time she was in an episode, I thought, you know, they gave her some some good things to do with her character, and it, I agree with you. She's a very beautiful woman, and those were kind of some of my initial thoughts. Um, I, I enjoyed her, and it was kind of sad that we didn't get to see her very much, and, you know, I wish we had seen more of her, because I thought that would have been great. Yeah, I think for Yeoman Rand, she wasn't in a lot of episodes. Eight, right? It's it's crazy when you, when you actually look at the numbers. You you just as you said, can you you think like, oh, she's there a whole lot, but she, she's really not. And she had more to do in those eight episodes than arguably Uhura, Chekhov, and Sulu did. From well, 
Probably, absolutely. Probably Uhura and Sulu. I think Chekhov got more to do in season two. He was the new kid on the block, and season three got more. But right. I'd say he, she got more to do in these eight episodes than Uhura and Sulu ever did in the entire run of the show. Uh, and she had a lot mm-hmm. of interactions with Captain Kirk, which I think was you know a, a big reason why because she was you know they had that kind of unsaid mutual attraction thing going on there, and that was a factor in why she was um, kind of written off the show. There are a lot of factors. We'll get into that, but. They didn't want to tie Kirk down, right, to have, you know, uh, they wanted him to be like a, you know, girl in every port kind of guy, romance of the week, didn't want to have somebody on the ship he was obligated to, uh, and all that drama that goes with that. Uh, but yeah, she was a strong character, and, and it was great. In the original, you know, batch of episodes here, um, Star Trek was more of an ensemble show. You know, you had, like, characters like Rand running around, talking to Sulu down there, uh, other other side characters. You know, they settled into their formula, for better or for worse, it was like Kirk, Spock, and McCoy, and they were the big three. And we all love the three of them, and their re- interactions are great, but that did kind of push everyone else to the side. So the the whole, like, that that was the dynamic of the show. These other guys are kind of filled in, and we lost that whole, like, bigger scope of, like, the whole crew, which we saw in this early batch of episodes. Um, I'll say this, you know, people... You know, when the, the Kelvin Timeline movie started out, I mean, that was like the big three became like Kirk, Spock, and Uhura, and they're the three like in all the advertisements, all the posters, all the promotional materials. Let's not forget, guys, if you go, you look at the original, uh, well, not the original, original, because there's the cage and all that, but like the original TOS, you know, series proper uh, photo shoot and all that, you have Kirk, Spock, and Rand, right? They are the three. Now, they're in uh, like the Where No Man Has Gone Before uniforms at least rand is kirk and spock aren't they're in like this weird hybrid uniform that we never see in either in any show right. uh kind of in between uh but, but you see the, the phaser rifle you know and you see the three of them she has she has a very different hairstyle i actually kind of like her hairstyle in these i'm not a big fan of the beehive yeah. i'm gonna just say it now i'm not a big fan of that hairstyle but you know i'm not from the 60s so it's not my thing but um that was a wig anyway yeah. But, yeah, <laughs> yeah, go on. but yeah but see the three they were like the three stars you have the captain you have the alien you have the uh the woman star and the male star and the alien star like they're trying i guess uh, to to spread spread around uh, uh who was the faces of the show you know for for representation and whatnot i thought it was great um, now, as the show developed, that that radically changed. She went from being like you know having this nice gold shirt and pants to being in a mini skirt, right? Uh, and then her her role eventually just kind of you know disappeared as we went on. But when she was there, she left a great impression, and that's why she was so beloved by the fans and the cast. And, yeah, and, and she can't was, keep coming and she back. Was no, she was no damsel in distress mm-hmm. either. Right? She wasn't. No. Yeah, she stood up no. to Charlie X and to these kids in the Mary Planet and to uh, evil Captain Kirk. Like she, she had a lot of agency for herself and didn't need to be rescued all the time. Definitely. Yeah, which is really great. I think as far as you know, having those strong female characters. I think not having it. Oh, oh, save me. Oh, you know, and especially in Charlie X, she didn't put up with what was going on. You know, she spoke out and was like, hey no, this, you can't do this. This isn't right. That's not how we behave. And, you know, she went to the higher ups, which I think, you know, a lot of women still are afraid to do, um, when something happens. And, and it was nice to see another strong female character and that they just didn't write her off when she was in an episode. Oh, it's just a woman. Oh, we'll just, you know, give her something silly and mundane to do. You know, she, she had a lot to contribute to the episodes, which was really nice. Yeah. Now, I, I you know it's funny because my, my wife was a yeoman in the Navy and, uh, you know, she eventually retired as a, as a chief, uh, as in, which I thought was, was pretty cool. And I often say, you know, um, I, always, I used to call her combat yeoman because she was in a, uh, a support unit. So she wore camouflage and everything. And that's how I kind of looked at, at Rand, right? Because um, if you think of other yeomans that were famous, you'd think of Diana Prince, who, you know, worked for Steve Trevor as a secretary, for <laughs> essentially, in the background, good. an administrator, uh, you know, a, a yeoman in, in, the, in Starfleet or, or in the Navy or whatnot, you know, is really in charge of making sure that um, all the personnel issues are, are squared away, you know, people are getting ter- paid. Um, making sure the admin's right, and they manage and run big organizations. Uh, they're they're kind of all the folks in the background, making sure that you know you've got the, what's they, as they say the beans and the bullets. Um, you know, so make things happen. So it, they're they're big roles, they're important roles, but they're not they're not the cool ones, right? They're they're not the operators, the fighter jet pilots, all of that stuff. And in this show, you know, she was in the middle of the action consistently, and um, 
She she had a, a great character personality. I think that they had a good chemistry between her and Kirk. And you know, even though you know in the um, in the naked time, you know all those you know the reflections and the looking back and forth and all, that was the only time you really you know overtly started to see the, the mutual attraction that was there because otherwise it was I thought a very professional relationship. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as it should be, right? And that's 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 what you would expect. But that's not exactly what you would expect in a 1960s television show <laughs> right. with a beautiful woman in a short skirt, right? That's just not what you would expect. And she she pulled it off. And I thought her acting was really really solid. I mean, it, it, that's that's the other thing. It, you know, the, the other actors in the show, which I I like or whatnot, but you know, there were times where I I would look at it and say. I think I could have done that. <laughs> and I, I'm not saying I can act well either, but it's just like, yeah, okay, they're okay. But, you know, when, when I watched her episodes, she, she, she could emote. She, you know, uh, when she was fighting or the struggles or be empathetic with the children, she had, uh, you know, for a person who wasn't in very much, her, her, her thumbprint on the TV show was indelibly stamped, in my opinion. Well, and she she was very commanding when you know, when she was on screen. And so you were listing some of those things, Ken, and I was sitting here thinking, okay, well, that makes sense that, that you wouldn't necessarily see from Kirk that, oh, he, you know, he had a thing for her if she's in charge of all these things, because, you know, we look at TNG and Riker's in charge of a lot of those things, making sure that people, you know, the promotions and things like that. And he sits down and does it with Troy, but that's part of his role. Spock didn't really do that. He was the science officer. So someone had to be in charge of all the little inner workings and things like that. And I think it's great that they gave it to a woman. Because we can run things pretty awesome. Not going to lie. So, <laughs> you know. Well, you've, you've put me in a situation where I can hardly disagree. <laughs> So, I agree. You know, my, I think I'll be that's in, great that... Or I'll be in big trouble. <laughs> my my girlfriend is that... completely in charge of all of my uh, schedule, so... Yeah, you know, life, it, so it's I don't want to deal with that. that they... <laughs> it's great that they gave that to a woman. They, you know, they could have easily put another man in that role and been like, I'm in charge of this stuff and whatnot, and... But, but she was. She was commanding when she was on screen, and, you know, Kirk listened to her, and I thought that was great. He didn't just listen to her because, oh, you're just a woman... In, in some of the ways that he does, but he actually listened to her, and I thought that was great. Yeah, yeah, it, it was. I think that uh, in another way it was kind of ahead of its time is, you know, you have officer enlisted dynamic here, and she was a part of the team. Uh, the Navy in general and Starfleet definitely have a pretty— after she leaves the show, you don't see that again, okay, in any of the series, by the way, until Chief O'Brien shows up. You really don't. Um, you know, the other people on the ship, they're just crewmen. They're called crewmen. They don't even have names. Uh, and, and in the real-life Navy back then, the caste system was very much highly employed. And, and you could see, um, it kind of, again, with Star Trek giving a hint at the future, uh, the Navy evolved in my lifetime, radically changed uh, its approach and how they treated people and how things worked and all of that. The other services were far ahead of the Navy uh, as far as... Um, uh, you know, understanding that you were one team in one fight. Uh, it was, you know, and you heard the term officers and men. What a degrading term you know, when you think about it. Uh, and it's, it was common, as it was even said in Star Trek Three, right? How many crew on that Klingon ship? About a dozen officers and men. Right. That's exactly uh, what I was thinking. Officers and enlisted, right? So it's, it's, it's a very, it used to be a very, very common term. See, I, I never, um, you know, never understood that it's actually interesting. before, Ken. So that's that's what I, that's what that's referring to. Got it? Okay, guys. I, I didn't know what terminology that 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 meant. So, yes, that officers were you know a level above, and uh, you know the men were the crew. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that's how it looked at, and um and, and like I said, that that's that's pretty much been eliminated from from the speak. You hear it once in a while, but it's evolved. And so you have two things, right? You didn't have women on ships in the '60s at all. Uh, and, and, of course, we had that in Star Trek. And then you had this very professional, solid relationship between the captain and the yeoman. Now, my, my, my wife will tell you she worked um, very directly for most of the commanding officers uh, the, in, in the units that she was assigned because she was keeping everything squared away, right? That was, that was her job and her team's job, I should say, because uh, there's a lot going on behind the scenes. Uh, you, you're not just giving somebody to, you know, give you a napkin and bring you food and all that stuff. 
that's what they would call, you know, a mess, uh, a mess management specialist or back way back a steward. Uh, but that wasn't a yeoman's role. Uh, but she she took care of the captain in all aspects in terms of making sure he was where he needed supposed to be. The captain's log was getting done when things were going nuts and brought she brought Chow up to the bridge. She did everything right. She was really that 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 aid, so to speak, and played an important role. And um, it's an important role in, in any organization. And it was a shame that they they wrote it off because uh, it exists today and, and it, it's one that will always exist. And, and I thought that was always Star Trek's biggest issue with me is the people that were doing the work, none of them doing any of the hard things or, you know, would be officers. That is just not reality. And uh, I'm not saying that there aren't, but it, it, it's a few, but the vast majority of the people that would go down, you know, just like the, the red shirts, right? Those were the crewmen, you know. Nobody liked to see a man die, but boy, they killed him left and right. <laughs> with, with, I don't remember one memorial service until uh, Spock died. So <laughs> it's 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 kind of funny how these things work, you know. Yeah. All right. So you know, and we talk about Grace Grace Lee Whitney. Grace Lee Whitney. I mean, she was um, she she is interesting in herself. Uh, you know, like we said that she was. Um, a, a, a very good actress. Uh, she did very well in Star Trek. Uh, before she came to Star Trek, she was uh, singing uh, a lot too. So she, she, I guess she was a, a very creative artist. Uh, I can't say that I've, I've heard her singing before, but I know that was a big thing. She would do events. She was in a lot of shows. Um, she was in a few movies, pretty much smaller roles before she got this one. And, um, you know, she, she, she did well. Uh, one of the, I guess, sadder things uh, that occurred, and it and it occurred all too often, right up until very recently, you know, it probably still does, but uh, obviously there's much more of a focus on it, is that she was a sex, she was sexually assaulted um, by a quote unquote executive uh, while making this series. Um, interesting enough, she refused to name who it was, uh, even when she wrote her book, and I did read her book years ago. Uh, she she said the book was about her story. She didn't want to flip it and make it a, a, about the person who did it, uh, which I thought was interesting. Uh, but it's it's hard in many cases. And, and remember, when she wrote the book, Me Too was still decades away. Um, you know, so you know if there's if there's a threat or the person was still alive when she wrote the book, that that could be an issue in itself, I guess, if it's something that you can't substantiate. But um, it was common Hollywood practice. I mean, that's what, what happened to Grace Lee was unfortunately something that happens, happened a lot. Um, and even more unfortunately, you know, it happened with our favorite series. And, I, you know, when, when, when this, this became known, when, when she wrote her book and, and was talking about it openly, uh, it really rocked my world. She was, she was the first one. I mean, there were other books written about Gene Roddenberry, and, and we know he wasn't... Um, you know, a model person when it come to when it came to um, his his own character, um, but it's different when you hear the term sexually assault. Uh, that's you know that it's it's one thing you know, I guess if it's if it's consensual and you know that just makes both people kind of icky. But um, anyway, I was just I was curious what your reaction was when you first heard about or read her situation, and you know kind of how it aligns up to some of the other things we heard on the Star Trek set back in those days um you know it's sad and and like you said ken unfortunately you know it, it was something that happened and unfortunately in some instances it's still happening today um only you know it's hard because back then they they didn't want to come forward about it and you know even to this day it's it's hard to come forward about it and you don't want to and people hide things and it's shameful and went on and it's it's awful i i can't ever say that i've ever had an experience like that and for anyone who is a listener who's had something like that happen i i deeply apologize and i sympathize with you um as much as i can um it's, it's not surprising that she was afraid to say something for a long time, and it's not surprising that she didn't want to say who it was. And yeah, 
it's it's heartbreaking. It makes I it's a hard topic for me to discuss because I've never been in that situation, but I know people who have and I think that's something that, you know, we've we've got to strive towards fixing. Yeah, unfortunately that as you say, Ken, that, that that was that was the business back then. And I think that's why a lot of people said, well, you know, it's Hollywood. I mean, that's a terrible attitude to have about it. It's like, well, it doesn't need to be. We can change it, you know. And strides have been made, and it, unfortunately it's taken decades for a lot of these things, a lot of these people to be held accountable. Um, but, yeah, I mean, as far as her experience and her not sharing who who it was or anything like that, I mean, that you know, that's that's her own prerogative. I uh, I don't know, right, because you, 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 would, you, you would hope that, like, justice would be served for something like that. Uh, but if she chose, you know, to to not to not share who it was, and because probably she didn't, who who we don't know who this was, right? She probably didn't want. We don't. She no, didn't don't. want to create just an executive on yeah. the show. Is all she. I said. mean, and who knows who that might have been? So that could have created ripples that gone way beyond her, and perhaps she thought, well, you know what? I don't want to rock the boat even more than I already am. Even seeing this happen, you know, uh, Star Trek has been good to me, and 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 ninety five percent of the people on this show have been great to me. And this could affect what's going on with them. That that's I mean, trying to wrap my head around why uh, we never found out who it was. That that's the only conclusion I can come to. But uh, but that that's horrible. You hate to hear about that. Anything you know? I've you know um, my favorite sh- other favorite show than Star Trek, uh, Smallville. Right? They have its own uh, scandal scandal going on right now with one of the actresses who you know this all this happened after the show. But even so, you reflect back on it and you think, wow. You know, this is like, uh, you know, we have our fandoms and we have our, you know, we, we love our fandoms. That's why we talk and do podcasts and eat and read this stuff. And whenever like this, this real world stuff really starts, you know, creeping in and infringing it, 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 it makes you look at things through a different lens and, and consider stuff. Because at the end of the day, this is entertainment. We go to these things for escape and, and you hate that, the, you know, the real real world problems can 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 break into it. But that that's life. You know, we're in this world and, and these things happen and. And unfortunately, these are the realities we have to deal with. And and you know what what a, what a small uh, discomfort we have as fans to learn about this than you know the people who actually have gone through it. So it just it, it's an awful uh, and you can it's an awful situation to happen to her. And you can see how things kind of spiral downward after that for her. But but thank God you know she as we'll talk about her she you know with, through support of you know friends, family, and and in the community really kind of rebounded there uh, at the end of her career and, and her life and and came to it came at peace with everything. You know that that it happened at the end, which is really important. It is important, and I think the the key thing here is back then, if you if you said anything, you were never going to work again. Uh, and it's not even that far back. I mean, this is stuff that was happening five years ago. And if if an actor said anything, they would never work again. And there's proof that that happened. You know, if you look at Harvey Weinstein, he destroyed actresses that didn't play. Um, and, and, you know, uh, one after another, you, you find more and more producers and owners of, uh, studios and all this other stuff. So it really was a, uh, a horrible thing, uh, to, uh, to have to endure and realize that there's no, there's no help or support. And if you say anything, your career is done. I mean, it's just done. So I, I, I do understand why it was kept under wraps at the time. I also think that, it's it's actually a, a a testament to her character in the sense that she didn't name the person for the publicity of selling her book, okay? Because Grace Lee Whitney is not a household name. If you're not a Star Trek fan, the odds are you would have no idea who Grace Lee Whitney is, you know, I, I would think. You know, if, if you've never saw a Star Trek episode, um, she wasn't in enough things, you know, uh, a, you know, what do they say, a B-list you know, yeah, just kind of a actor, working TV actress from the '60s. Yeah, you would never know. Yeah, you'd never know who she was, and and so I, you know, I'm guessing her book wasn't a bestseller or anything. You know, it was probably you know a few thousand copies among Star Trek fans, maybe more. Um, and if she was looking to make money off it, if she was looking to really promote it, um, then she could have named this person. And she's right; the story would then have become about that. But she would have been able to, in a sense, earn more money. So to me, that, that says a lot about her and not doing that. And, and I do get it. She wanted to make the story about her life and about her recovery from addiction. And, and wow, you know what I mean? That's, that's as, as much as I think a lot of us, because we are curious, 
we want to know who did what, you know, are we cheering for somebody that we shouldn't be cheering for type of thing? You know, who was this executive, you know? Um, and, and obviously I, there's no way to know. So it's just, it's just one of those things. But, uh, I, I think that's, it's a, it's a testimony that she went in the direction she did as frustrating as it can be, because we all want to know. Yeah. You know, you mentioned something, Zach, and you said something about, you know, that this permeates fandom. And I think sometimes as fans, we tend to forget that, you know, and I think as people in general, we, we're these consumers of these things that these actors are putting out and these companies are putting out and stuff. We forget that they're just people too. And and that, you know, yes, they might be actors, actresses living in Hollywood or wherever and, and they're famous and stuff, but they're also just people too. And unfortunately, these things can happen to anybody because as soon as you get someone in power who says, I have power and control over this thing. You want to be involved. If you want to be involved, you're going to do this for me. And and it just spirals, and those people continue to do those things, like you mentioned Ken Harvey Weinstein, because everyone's afraid to say anything because I'm not going to, not only am I not going to work again, my life's going to be destroyed. People are going to come at me for speaking out against this person, which unfortunately they do, and and then it becomes more I'm getting hated for what I'm saying because this person has had power and control for so long and they're so beloved by so many people that unfortunately their scene is fine and I'm awful for saying something that happened to me. Mm-hmm. That's an excellent yeah. point. It's an excellent point. Yep, it, it, You're right. It does The mirror can reflect the other way very quickly. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. We'll do one more heavy piece of this and then we'll get back to kind of the Star Trek piece. So one of the things that... Um, you know, really impacted Grace Lee Whitney was the cancellation of her contract. Like we said, she did about eight episodes. Uh, she was a main character, you know, that was supposed to be there. And you're right, Zach, the, the producers wanted Kat, uh, Kirk to have different love interests, and, and, and that was kind of the reason they give. In, in the show, she was frustrated because, um, in her words, you know, they, they had to write out one of the women, and there were three at the time. Uh, and as she puts it, two of them were blonde, her and um, Chapel, um, Majel Barrett, and then the other one was, um, was Nichelle Nichols, right? And, and she's, you know, for all the right reasons, uh, Nichelle stayed. Uh, in her mind, all the wrong reasons, um, Majel Barrett stayed. You know, I mean, it wasn't like a one for one. You know, there was, there was something going on there, too. Um, and so it really, really impacted her hard. Uh, that she was taken off the show. And what a lot of people may or may not know is that uh, in order to be able to fit into the uniform that she was given, uh, she really had to stay very, very thin. And she was taking amphetamines uh, to, to keep her weight down, you know, which, is, which is very dangerous. And then, you know, like, like a lot of things, um, when, you, when you lose a big job or whatever, and, and, and she fell into despair, then she started drinking on top of already you know i don't know if she was addicted to amphetamines or not but it, obviously they are they they are an addictive drug um and then she became you know uh, really addicted to to alcohol and it she she really had a rough road uh for many many years um i didn't know if either of you knew much about um that that portion of her life and how much the trek community kind of stepped in but they did um it's also good to know because as much as we we're upset that somebody in the Star Trek family did something to someone else in the Star Trek family. When you talk about people of good character, you can't help but think of Leonard Nimoy. Yeah. And Leonard Nimoy uh, was said to have been a big comfort to her both after the assault and um, in years after. You know, I, I don't know how often he stayed in touch or whatever. In his books, he never really mentions it, but, you know, that that's his own humility. But... Um, uh, and I think it was DeForest Kelly that, that mentioned to her as well that, uh, you know, you should start doing conventions and stuff. The fans want to meet you. This was in the 70s, too, when she was trying to get back up on her feet. So sorry for the long kind of I feel like one of those really bad interviewers <laughs> that answer all the questions before they actually let the person answer. But just taking all that in, I don't know what you did know, what you didn't know, but kind of of, of your, your thoughts on that, or did you know how much the Trek community itself had really helped her out? I, I wasn't aware, um, so thank you for, for all that. It's kind of not surprising that 
that not only would some of the other actors rally around her, but that the fans would too. I mean, I've been to conventions and I see it, and as much as you know, there there is the dislike for things, fans are really positive towards the people who have made something that means so much to us. So I think that's great that the fans wanted her to be there. Um, I actually know, I have a friend uh, from Australia, and he is a big Yeoman Ran fan, and uh, we were talking off mic, I can't remember if he got to meet her, or if he had wanted to meet her, so he'll have to let me know, Um, and I think that's great, because you know what, they still wanted to meet, and I I wish she had done more, and I wish before she had passed away she'd been to Las Vegas, that would have been really cool to see her, because I know... She passed away in 2015, so I'd I'd been to two of the conventions already at that point. So, what about you, Zach? Yeah, you know, I've been familiar with her struggles. I mean, I'd been, you know, growing up, you know, you hear, like, oh, here's the, the, you know, this person's story, this person's story of Star Trek, you know, the 30th anniversary time, I have all, all the books and all the articles and all this kind of things. So, I mean, that's when I, I think, I think there was a magazine uh, put out for the 30th anniversary of Star Trek, where they had a big article, like a like a feature piece on Gracie Whitney and her you know her struggles uh, after the show, and uh, that's when I first had, had kind of learned about it, and uh, and yeah, and, you know I was also encouraged to see that her uh, uh, she she got really uh, deep into her faith and, and her Christian faith like it helped her a lot as well. She did uh, kind of recover. She'd been through some recovery programs and. And so, and just, just just having that having that kind of support again, you know, encouraged as you said, Haley, by the fandom, by the community. Say, hey, you're still part of the Star Trek family. I know you were only here for a short time, but you left a big impression. You know, all these things uh, helped her kind of get back on her feet. And, and you know, once she became sober, she she and by all accounts was was clean and sober for uh, the rest of her days, which is which is very impressive because you see a lot of these stars in Hollywood uh, fall into you know because the, the pressure. You got to keep looking this way. You got to stay thin. You got to do this. Got to do that. Um, They'll recover for a little bit, then they'll fall back, and they'll recover, and they'll fall back. You know, and, and a lot of these uh, actors and actresses both, you know, just cannot break the cycle of addiction. So, uh, through the through her faith and her support of the fandom and her Star Trek community, you know, I know she was really good friends with James Doohan uh, as as well. You know, so so th- those those all these factors helped her kind of get back on her feet, which is great. You know, uh, to to see that because she could have she could have had a real tragic story. You know, I mean, it was it was tra- I mean, she had a tragic period of her life, right? But, you know, it could have just faded out and, and fizzled there, you know, back years ago. But she went on to live a nice long life into her 80s uh, with all the with all the recoveries that she went through. So so that that, that is an encouraging end to a, a dark chapter uh, in her life. So so you can look back and say, you know, what, this is some bad stuff. But, you know, it all it all turned out uh, all right in the end. And that 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 it was is what makes this much less of a tragedy than it would have been had we been talking about, oh, man, Gracie Whitney, you know assaulted addiction and then you know who else would have happened there so yeah i mean uh, the support it's great that you know the the, the star trek fans support people th- through all this as well you know we look at all the people that go to conventions and stuff We're like oh this person was in like two episodes of one season of the original series why you know but but it doesn't matter we love them all the same and we love to meet them and 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 i'm sure to them that is such an encouragement to, to, you know, like, yeah, I played a small role in this giant 50 year franchise, but these people still care about me and what I have to say and that I'm here. And, and that's that, and that is what communities and fandoms are all about. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's, that's what's all about being a Star Trek fan. The, um, the love and affection that the, the fans have for, uh, the, the actors and all these series is, is amazing to me. Uh, and a lot of it is reciprocated, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. uh, I mean, that's, that, that, that's, that's pretty neat. I mean, there's always a few, you know, good and bad, but for the most part, it really is. And, and I know it, it, it really, it, it's, it's, it's good in the sense too, because a, a lot of these actors and actresses, because they're in Star Trek, it's tough to get roles outside of it. It, it just really is. And so they can continue to have, uh, you know, a livelihood and an additional income, uh, by appearing at these, at these, um, conventions and, and uh, comic cons and different things so it's it, it's good for them and that's why I say it, it's uh, it, it's reciprocated because I, I do really think that uh, in, in no other franchise on earth is that really the case you know there, there's a few but not not like Star Trek you know it, it's I think there's a lot of folks that realize you know, I'm sure like half the sca- the cast of Discovery is like ooh you know, no matter what happens, <laughs> I'm going to be okay. <laughs> you, know, you, have, because, you have people that were in, like, the first episode and they died. 
<laughs> and they're like, hey, hey, remember me from Star Trek Discovery? It's like, I'm going to be going these conventions forever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, and by the time this this airs, I, I would have been coming back from, from uh, the, the Northeast Trek convention. And, um, you know, there's a few folks there that, you know, would you just look on the, on the web and it's, you know, Schmedlap, actor, you know, and it's a picture of them in the background on the Enterprise D or something, you know, and okay, you know, they're, they're coming to the convention. He's, he, he's on the, he's on the docket. Maybe, you know, for the show he was in, I'm sure he'll have some interesting stories, but it, it's like this, 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 this club you get to join, which is, is pretty neat. Uh, but she's much bigger than that. Uh, to your point, Zach, at the beginning of the show, she was the face of Star Trek with Leonard Nimoy and William Shatner. Literally, all the promotional materials was her, mm-hmm. and um, that that that's pretty special. And there, there's no doubt. Like I said, uh, you know, it's it's one thing to be an attractive person. Yeah, you know, you're, you're blessed. Good for you. Um, you know, it, it definitely helps you in Hollywood. There's no doubt. But her character, her, her personal character, I think really shines through. Mm-hmm. Uh, in in her recovery and what she was all about and uh, and and the, the the wanting to share that so other people could have hope um, defines Grace Lee Whitney you know um, her her real name was Marianne I, I did remember reading that somewhere but uh, I think Grace is uh, appropriate you know Absolutely. for what she's what she's enduring yeah. all right so we're gonna switch gears a little bit let's get back to actual the Rand story in Star Trek. Uh, so she she was off the show after eight episodes, but she comes back. She comes back in, in relatively small roles and then has a relatively large one, which I think is kind of exciting. Uh, it's, it's, it's not a full circle journey, but it's pretty close. So we saw her again the next time in the motion picture. She was um, the chief in charge of the transporter room. That didn't work out well. Uh, for her, unfortunately, uh, didn't uh, work out well for her. The... Didn't work out well for Commander Sonak. All right, let's see. It really didn't yeah. work out for Commander Sonak <laughs> and the and the and the other poor officer that was beaming up with him. Right. Uh, but again, um, but as Kirk know, said, it, there was nothing what, she could have done. It wasn't her fault, <laughs> and uh, and 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 that is true. But she comes back as a chief in the motion. Well, picture, I, I find it I find it interesting she... that she's the transporter chief in the motion picture, right? And yeah. Uh, yeah. Lieutenant Kyle is the communications officer on the Reliant in Star Trek Two. I'm like, can we have switched those two? That might have made more sense. But just in the in the career path of of uh, Star Trek, interesting to see Rand at the transporter controls. Is all I'm saying. I remember she's enlisted. Oh, well, there you go. At that point, just like Chief O'Brien, it all enlisted. ties together. Just like Chief O'Brien, it all ties together, right? So I, I don't know. I mean, you can be a chief yeoman. Uh, yeah. uh, case in point, mm-hmm. um, you know, my alter ego was. Um, even my mailbox used to read Chief Tripp's husband. She was the more beloved chief. Um, anyway, uh, so so it does happen. And then she had, um, in Star Trek Three, we saw her for a fleeting moment, but a very powerful moment uh, when the Enterprise is returning into space dock. And she had the uniform insignia of a lieutenant commander, I believe, in Trek Three. So something happened. Uh, in that 20 years, I guess, since the motion picture? I well, guess it was, it was about... Because right? the Enterprise is 20 years old. The, the Enterprise is not 20 years old. We're, we're going we're gonna to say <laughs> that in every episode now, I guess it's an intro. But let's see, 20, 2271 and then like 2285-ish, 2282. Is, the timeline's very confusing. It's about a decade or more, so... Okay. Okay. And um, then she was the executive officer and a full commander of the... Um, of, uh, I'm sorry, with with Captain Sulu in Star Trek on the Excelsior, on, on the, Excelsior yeah. mm-hmm. on the Excelsior, right? And reprised the role in Voyager. So what did you guys remember, your reactions to all of these little things uh, and, and these shows and, and seeing Yeoman Rand back in the fold? I thought it was great. I loved it. Um, I think my favorite was when she was the full commander with Sulu on the Excelsior. I think that was just amazing. I loved that, you know what, you could tell that at that point, granted, the uniforms had changed, but it wasn't so much a, I'm going to fit into this tiny little dress anymore. Um, and it was so nice. It was just, it was wonderful to see her again. I think that probably gave her a really good boost um, to herself and to her recovery and everything. Um, and to understanding that, hey, we, the fans still love you and you're still loved in Star Trek and you're still loved in this world that they wanted her to come back. I think that was that was proof to her, maybe, if she needed it, that she was still welcome in that family, despite everything that had happened. Zach? Yeah. 
Yes, yeah, for me, uh, we did we did miss that she was also in Star Trek Four. She was in the. Uh, we did. Yes. She was yes. Starfleet headquarters, you know, doing uh, coordinating all the the chaos going on with with the probe as well. Because uh, face to face with Chapel, actually. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. Very good. Very good. Uh, I, I just looking at how the the credits are listed though, I find it interesting. She's Janice Rand in Star Trek Motion Picture. She's Commander Rand in Star Trek Four, and then Commander uh, Rand in Star Trek Six. But in um, Star Trek Three, she is uh, credited as woman in cafeteria. <laughs> so <laughs> we all know it's supposed to be Janice Rand, but I just thought that was that was interesting there. But uh, but yeah, no, uh, definitely great to to pull because she again she was a main character as far as main characters go. As far if you look at the first half of season one. She she's a stronger presence than any of these other supporting characters. Uh, so to, to bring her back and to pull her back in meaningful ways, especially in Star Trek Six, and then in Flashback on Voyager, uh, that's really she where she got the most uh, screen time. Janeway steals her uniform, <laughs> which is amusing. So, uh, but I, I just right, love that yeah. she got to, to to play again in in that world uh, in a, in a in a significant way. You know, because uh, yeah, little cameos here and there, but then uh, Six and Voyager really. Gave her something more to do, and then uh, and then she went to do fan films as well, right, Ken? She did. She did do a couple. Um, she did of Gods and Men, and uh, she was on a few New Voyages episodes. I, I I can't say I was trying to reflect on the New Voyages. I did see of Gods and Men, which was really the first full length um, fan film that I remember. Yeah, Tim Russ was know, behind being, that. Yeah, he he was he was, and and it had um, a lot of people. Um, from Star Trek. I mean, Walter Koenig had a big role. Nichelle Nichols, um, John Ruck was back um, as as uh, you know from the captain of the Enterprise B, and then they had all these cat these folks uh, jeepers from well everywhere. You know, you even had um, uh, Charlie X was back. You had I mean, it was just it was it was quite an ensemble of uh, of Star Trek people and of gods and men, and so I think she kind of got lost in with this kind of um, you know, panacea of all these flashback people now, that, that I re- came back. I remember the, the production of that, and I remember I saw trailers, and I might have seen a few clips on YouTube. I've never sat down and properly watched that. I think I, I think you I should. I should. <laughs> but uh, no, you should. It's you know, it's it's okay. It's but you know the effects in it are fantastic. Um, the the plot of it, it's it's a little bit of a reach, but. You know, and, and, you know, obviously it was really a homage to people that you love to see in Star Trek. And, you know, obviously many of them had aged a lot because a lot of time went by. Well, it was kind of but a, as I remember, I it, was a, it. it was like a celebration of the 40th anniversary because there was no there was no Star Trek going on at that time. So that was that was pretty much all we had was these was these was these fan films. Now, like, I had not seen of God's Men, but I, but I, ha- I did see. Uh, World Enough in Time, which is the uh, Sue episode of Star Trek New Voyages. Uh, that that mm-hmm. was actually written for Star Trek Phase 2 and they kind of re... Uh, you know, Mark Scott Zickery, uh is one of the authors of that and, and he kind of reworked it to work on Star Trek New Voyages starring Sulu. So uh, there is a... There are, there's some bookend scenes on the Excelsior with George Takei and Gracie Whitney. Uh, so that's where she comes into play. She's still his, you know, first officer is the way I I took her role. Uh, maybe not. Mm-hmm. I just assume because she's the second most important person on <laughs> the Excelsior from the way I see it. So I, I see her as the first officer there. But yeah, no, great to see her come back in those in those little bit roles as well. Again, getting back to the fandom as we were talking about earlier. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I haven't seen any of those. So New Voyages sounds familiar, but I don't think I ever watched it. So I'll have to take a look at them. That, that's that's the uh, one God, that's you, the one worth checking out. Most of the other New Age episodes, I wouldn't really recommend to people, but that is by far the best one. Okay. Yeah, it was a powerful one. I did see that one as well. And of Gods and Men is on YouTube, and it's it's almost two hours. Okay. And um, so watch it now before CBS takes it down. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, I guess. But it's uh, it's like I said, it's it's a real production. Mm-hmm. I, I think they they utilize the sets up in um, up in New York. Right. You know James Colley sets uh, uh, to to make it. Um, the effects really aren't bad at all. I mean, it's it's as you know, are they like the movies? You know, like Star Trek O Nine or so? Of course not, but they're they're pretty good. Um, like I said, the plot is something. But 
what what I think all of us like about those types of episodes, you know, is that you've got all these different characters from Voyager, from Deep Space Nine, from the original series. They're all in there. You know, there there is a smattering of of, of all these folks that that come together. Um, even Jake from D, you know, um, he he's a Vulcan in there. Uh, Stan is in the episode. You're, oh, you're right. Okay, well, uh, okay. Uh, is is it, yeah. isn't isn't Uhura married to Stan in this movie? Yes. <laughs> Look at that. Yes. The Vulcan Uhura thing continues. Well done, guys. It Look at does. That it does. Right. So yeah, I, I I think you'll you'll get a kick out of it, Haley. Okay. In fact, you know, we we could we could um, uh, do an episode. We on should. That. I think, you know, I think of all the we series, should. I think it applies to ours the best. So of the you know the Star Trek. Oh yeah, shows. it's definitely all all TOS, mm-hmm. and it's 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 two super beings in TOS that fight it out. Okay. That's really what. Put it's that about. on the docket for a future episode discussion. I got Alrighty. it. Okay. All right. Any final thoughts, my friends? Uh, you know, no. I I I think I've said everything, and again, I think she was an amazing person for overcoming what she did and and not falling into a downward spiral like so many people do and i loved seeing her on screen i really did the hair i was like man that's that's some hair even though it was a wig <laughs> it was it was very very 60s of the time period but it was really cool <laughs> they, it was yeah because cool. <laughs> it was a different take on on just you know a beehive and I, I know my mom kind of had a beehive at one point in her life and my grandma did so i mean it was of the, the time but it was a basket weave beehive is what I'm going to call it. So, it's <laughs> a good definition. <laughs> what about you, Zach? Yeah, ultimately, she was a great character from early Star Trek, and you know her legacy continued on uh, all the way through Star Trek Six and Voyager, which was great to see. I w- definitely wish she would have been around for the whole entirety of the original series, but on and off screen reasons, unfortunately, uh, with her not being there again. You know, that's something that. Honestly, Star Trek as a series did not crack until Deep Space Nine. Was the strong female characters was the continued presence. I mean, my favorite TNG characters, uh, female characters, Pulaski, Roe, you know, uh, these are guest stars. These are one season characters. You know, these aren't on the main cast the whole time. Uh, Love Uhura, right? But didn't get much to do on the original series. Nope. Uh, wasn't really until you know the <laughs> the movies, uh, original and Kelvin timeline, she got stuff to do. Nurse Chapel. I mean, a there a familiar face, background character. Really, not much depth to her though. Uh, I mean, they didn't really give her much to do. But at the same time, I mean, when Rand was there, when Gracie Whitney was there, they gave her material. She executed that material, did a great job with it. Left a left an impression on all the fans. That that's why that's why I remember and love her so much. And again, Gracie Whitney, with all the trials that she went through in life, it, it's great to have you know to see her overcome that and have someone you want to root for, you know, and you're happy to see that she was able to to, to pull up from that spiral. That that you know everybody everybody falls into a spiral sometimes. For her to you know through through her faith and the Star Trek community and all these things together, for her to be able to to, to end up in, in a happy place in, at the end of the at the end of the day. Um, makes makes reminiscent on her and remembering her uh just a just a very uh good experience yeah i i think her her hollywood name grace uh describes her perfectly and uh, it was the right name for the right reason who knew well grace Sue whitney isn't the only thing we're talking about on trek fm this week here's a quick look at what else you might have missed elsewhere on the network previously on trek.fm earl gray however one thing Everyone's I do gonna left. sing the song. Everyone, join me. Life force. No, I will not join you. I'm sorry. Life force. Okay. Where however, are you? <laughs> Meta Trex. Speaking of character, I always found it interesting how many ways Q manifests himself. The characters that he takes on. We see him as a Starfleet commander, a Bajoran waiter. We see him as an alien captain. Uh, this this is just a, man a cosplayer. This is a man of many faces. Who knew Q was such a theater geek? The Edge, a Star Trek Discovery podcast. I felt like I was in a Vegas casino and the bling bling yeah. bling like it. <laughs> Was the jackpot. And I'm like, wait a minute, what's going on? How is she affecting the replicators and that's throwing food out? I've never seen a replicator throw food out. Melodic tricks. Well, it was definitely about a lower budget. There was no question that we could not afford 
Jerry Goldsmith. And later, by the time we got to do Star Trek VI, we couldn't afford Jamie Horner. And that's what else is happening on Trek.fm. So check out these shows and find out what we're talking about in your favorite corner of the Star Trek universe and beyond. You'll find us wherever you get your podcasts. If you're an Apple user, get the show on iTunes or the Apple Podcasts app. Be sure to hit the subscribe button. That helps us out greatly and makes it easier for other listeners to find the show. If you're not an Apple user, we've got you covered as well. You can find our shows on Stitcher, TuneIn, Speaker, SoundCloud, Windows Phone, and of course, you can stream and download the MP3 file from our website and grab the RSS link as well. If you would like to get in touch with us here at Trek FM, you can always find us on trek.fm slash contact and look in the sidebar on the show page. Or you can go to speakpipe.com slash trek.fm and please leave us a voice message. You can also contact us through Twitter at trek.fm, Facebook at facebook.com slash trek.fm, and the Babel Conference. Type the Babel Conference, that's B-A-B-E-L, into the search field on Facebook, or go to our website at Trek.fm and click Discussion on the menu bar. Another way you can help us keep all of our shows coming to you each week is to become a patron of the network on Patreon. If you visit patreon.com slash trek.fm, that's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash trek.fm, you'll find our current goals and different milestone contribution levels along with all the great perks we have for you. These perks include early access to content, exclusive content, producer credits, seats on our content development team, and more. We really appreciate any support you can give us and hope you'll join the team. Again, you'll find the details at patreon.com slash trek.fm. Speaking of Patreon, thank you as always to our associate producers for Standard Orbit. They are Norman C. Lau, Nick Anastasio, Tim Robertson, Richard Marquez, Corey Elrod, and Dan Rhodes. You guys, uh, your, your contributions, your help, your support mean the world to us, and we appreciate you being associate producers on Standard Orbit. So to find me on the interwebs, you can find me on the Babel Conference. I'm there all the time. Or you can find me on Twitter at BostonSCPO. As for me, you can find me on Twitter at MoronZach. That's M-O-O-R-E-O-N-Z-A-C-H. And I'm also the host of my own podcast, Always Holding on the Smallville, where we talk about each and every episode of that Young Superman show. You can find us on Twitter at AlwaysMallville with one S. You can find me on Twitter. I am at Trekkie01D. Celebrating Trek Tuesdays. That's tomorrow, everybody. Wear your Trek. Yes, and use the hashtag TrekTuesday. So thanks, everyone, for listening, and join us again next time here on Trek FM for another episode of Standard Orbit.